I wonder what the bravest thing is that you've ever done. What's the bravest thing that you've ever done? If you're joining us online this morning, you are so welcome. If you're in the room here, you're so welcome too. I want to ask all of us, whether we're online or in the room this morning, what's the bravest thing you've ever done? And if you were going to rank that on a scale of bravery, where one is not brave at all, like one is sitting on the sofa watching the telly, and where 10 is uh, wrestling with a lion while juggling chainsaws, where would you rank that thing, that bravest thing that you've ever done? Where would it appear on that kind of scale? I was thinking this week about some of the things that I've done in my life that I thought were quite brave and trying to rank them on that kind of scale. And I was thinking when I gave up my job as a consultant to go back to college to train to be a minister, that felt quite brave to me at the time. Maybe a a six or a seven on the bravery scale. I was thinking about that time I stood at the top of my first red run on a ski slope. That felt quite brave to me. Uh, But probably, realistically, on the scale of bravery, maybe it was a a four or a five. What is that thing that you're thinking about right now? Where would that rank? And then if you think about some of the bravest things people have ever done, how would your thing rank up to those? I was thinking about those young men who arrived on the beaches of D-Day on Normandy and the bravery that must have been required to do that made my brave thing feel not quite so brave anymore. Or I was thinking about the aid workers who have stayed behind in Afghanistan right now. And I was trying to think, well, my brave thing, my red run ski slope was really not that brave after all. So where would your thing be on the scale of bravery? And then I want to ask you to think about this. What was the last prayer you prayed? What was the last prayer you prayed? And I want to say, all of us pray, by the way. You may be here this morning with us, you may be watching online with us this morning, and you may say, well, I'm not even a Christian, I'm not a Jesus follower. You may well not be, but I know you pray, because the surveys and the reports that are done when people are asked, virtually everybody prays, even if it's prayers like, God help me. Even if it's not very often, everybody prays. So what was the last prayer you prayed? Just think about that for a minute. What was the last prayer you prayed? Now, be honest. Where would that rank on the scale of bravery? If you were to have to rank that prayer on a scale of bravery from 1 to 10, how brave was that prayer? How dangerous was that prayer? You know, we're starting a new series today called Dangerous Prayers. And we're encouraging one one another to think about the prayers that we pray, whether we're a Christian or not a Christian. We're thinking about the prayers that we pray or the prayers that we don't pray, maybe. And we're asking ourselves, how brave are those prayers? What do they really require of us, those kinds of prayers? If God was to answer the last prayer that you prayed, what would God require of you? What would that require of you? And when you prayed that prayer, were you ready to be the answer to the prayer if that's what God called you to do? Virtually all of us pray at one time or another, even if it is just, God, help me. But when we pray, what many of us do is we delegate responsibility to God. 
We pray prayers that say, God, we want you to fix that or fix this. It's a, it's a kind of a passive activity for us. And the reality is that when we do that, it means our prayers are coming pretty low down the scale of bravery. And actually, if we're honest, very often we're passing the buck to God and saying, well, I've prayed that prayer. Now, God, this is your responsibility. But think for a minute about what we're doing when we pray. We are connecting with the God of the universe, the God who created everything. We're engaging in a conversation with him. Even if you don't believe in God, that's what you're doing when you pray. You're calling out to somebody, to something, who Christians believe is the creator of everything. What we're doing when we pray is we're connecting with the creator of everything. And our prayers should be a two-way thing. See, you can't pray about climate change and then sit back in your house with the heating full blast and all the windows open while your petrol-guzzling car sits on the drive turned on for that short trip you're going to make to the shops a bit later on. You can't pray for your neighbor and then not be ready to help them or support them when they need your help and your support. You can't pray for your neighbor and then when they ask for help with their shopping, ignore them. That's not prayer. That's delegation. That's passing the buck to God. And part of prayer is tuning ourselves into God so we are ready when God calls us to be the answer to our prayers. Prayer is something that should move us to action. And they don't have to be long, and they don't have to be full of theological God words, and they don't have to be flowery. You know, the best prayers, the prayers actually that stir the heart of God the most, are the simple, heartfelt, authentic, cry-from-the-guts kind of prayers. Those are the prayers that move the heart of God and if your, if your prayer life or my prayer life is boring and uninspiring or a struggle, and let's be honest, even those of us who have been Christians for ages, quite often we find prayer quite difficult and maybe we find our prayer lives boring and uninspiring. If that's true, it probably means we're not praying the right kind of prayers. It probably means our prayers are too low down on this scale of bravery and not far enough up here. Because if we were truly praying adventurous, bold, courageous prayers, well, it would make our prayer life much more inspiring, much more challenging. We'd be much more ready to get involved in prayer. This series, we're going to look at five dangerous prayers. Prayers that can be summarized in just two or three words. So they're really easy to remember but they are deeply challenging and deeply dangerous. We better not pray these prayers unless we're ready for God to do something. These are prayers that get us right up here to the top end of the bravery scale. They are prayers that move the heart of God, but that will challenge us to action. And today we start with the first one. And the first one of these prayers is this, search me, search me. 
And this prayer comes from a guy who we find in the Old Testament part of the Bible called David. David is the one of Goliath fame, the one who slayed Goliath with a sling and a stone. David was one who would go on to be king of the whole nation of Israel and a famous and much-loved king. By the way, he was a guy who messed up a lot too. David was the shepherd boy who grew up to be king of Israel. And he wrote uh, lots of the poems and the laments and the songs that we find in the book of Psalms in the Old Testament part of the Bible. And Psalm 139, one of those songs or, or sort of heartfelt poems or prayers that David wrote is Psalm 139. And it's one of the most famous ones that he wrote. It's one that speaks to a lot of people. And in verses 23 and 24 of Psalm 139, uh, uh, David says this, search me God and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Just do that again. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is a heartfelt, from the guts kind of prayer from David. It's a tough prayer to pray, actually, as we'll discover as we get more into it this morning. It's even more challenging to apply and to live out than it is to pray. Because if we have the courage to pray it, then we'll need to be ready for what God will do as he replies to us. So let's take a deeper dive into this prayer. Let's start with, search me, God, and know my heart. Search me, God, and know my heart. And this is a, a funny thing because, you know, we are very good at deceiving ourselves. And we're very good at deceiving ourselves, both positively and negatively, by the way. We're very good at deceiving ourselves and not seeing what's really going on in our hearts. But we're also really good at deceiving ourselves and seeing more going on in our hearts than there actually is. Have you ever done this? Have you ever thought to yourself that there's something going on that just isn't? It's not there at all. Or have you ever been blind to the things that are there? We're good at deceiving ourselves, both in thinking too much of ourselves and in thinking too little as well. Not seeing things that are going on in our hearts, but also seeing things that aren't there. We need help to truly know the condition of our hearts. And who better to help us than God, who made us in the very beginning? Instead of doing what we so often do when we pray, which is to say, God, I want you to do something for me. This prayer starts with, God, I want you to reveal something in me. Instead of, God, I want you to do something for me, this prayer is, God, would you reveal something to me? Would you reveal to me the condition of my heart? And David then goes on to expose some things that might be going on in his heart and might be going on in our hearts. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Another way of putting that would be know my fears. Know my fears. 
See, I, I think this is really interesting because David was a really brave guy. If you looked at the life of David and the things he did, starting with Goliath and all the way through to the, the wrestles he had with wild animals when he was a shepherd and then on into being king and so on, you would say David was a pretty uh, brave guy. He, he did a lot of stuff that was right up uh, towards the top end of that bravery scale, and yet clearly he is anxious about stuff and fearful about stuff because here he says, know my anxious thoughts. We don't know what they are, but he's got stuff going on inside of him that's making him anxious, and he's realizing that those fears, those anxieties are crippling him and stopping him from doing what he should be doing. You know, how often has this happened to you? How often does this happen to me? That our fears hold us hostage. Our fears hold us hostage. Are we willing to say to God, show me what I fear the most? And as God begins to reveal to us what we fear the most, to then start to change us. See, I have this big fear. One of my biggest fears is of what people think of me. Does anybody else have that fear? Maybe if you're watching online, you have that fear that resonates with you. What do people think of me? And when you do a job like mine, you never keep everybody happy, right? So it's really challenging when you know sometimes you're making decisions. If you're in leadership, you know this. You're making decisions or doing things, and not everybody's happy with what you're doing. And people often in our day and age are quite good at expressing themselves when they're not very happy, right? Not always to you, but often about you when you're not there. And I have this fear, and sometimes it's crippling. I'm going to be really vulnerable with you this morning. What are people thinking of me? What do people say about me? And when you're in leadership, that can be really bad news, right? Because it can stop you doing the things that you should be doing. And when you're in church leadership, it can stop you doing the things that God is saying you should do. So I have to wrestle around with this fear, ask God to reveal it to me, and then ask God to give me the boldness and the courage and the people around me to help me and support me and guide me. See, when we're in the grip of fear, we struggle to trust God. So what's your fear? Are you willing to pray to God, show me what my fears are? And then as I begin to know them and understand them, help me to deal with them. Our fears matter because they show us where we're relying on our own strength and not on God's. And you know, very often the place where God has the most to do with us, the place where God can do the most through us, is the place of our greatest fears. And where we are least comfortable because when it's not about us, it becomes about God. And that's where he can often move in the most powerful ways. I just want to say too though, there is a difference between fear and anxiety about certain things and fear and anxiety being a daily battle, a mental health battle. And I just want to be really clear about that. If your daily fears and anxieties are a mental health battle, then that has nothing to do with your faith. It has nothing to do with a, a lack of faith. Sometimes people say fears or anxieties are to do with a lack of faith. If that's a daily battle for you, if that's a mental health thing for you, it's got nothing to do with a lack of faith. It's an illness and maybe you just need some help. I want to encourage you, if that's you, to talk to your GP or get in touch with our counselling service here at Andover Baptist Church. You can find the details on our website. Get in touch with MIND because that's a, that's a mental health issue. It's a bit different to what we're talking about this morning. And God would want you to get the help you need with that. Next thing David says about searching us. So search me, God, know my fears, know my anxious thoughts. And then this, see if there is any offensive way in me. This is a tough one. Because the offensive ways that David is talking about here is our sin. 
those things that would separate us from God, those things that would offend God, those things that aren't what God would want for us. And here again, when it comes to searching our hearts, the truth is it's far easier to spot everybody else's sin than it is our own, isn't it? Far easier. God, reveal in me my sin. And God wants to uncover our sin, not because he wants to condemn us, but because he wants to set us free. God doesn't want us to pray this prayer, God, reveal my sin, reveal any offensive way in me so that he can somehow smite me or condemn me. He wants to free me because God knows, and we know deep in our hearts, that sin infects us. It's like a wound that if it's not treated and dealt with, goes septic and begins to infect the whole of our body. Our sin affects everything around us, the people around us, our relationships, our families, all of those things. Sin left untreated starts to spread and cause damage. So asking God to reveal in us our sin, not so that he condemn us, but so that he can liberate us and free us is a powerful prayer to pray. But it's a tough prayer to pray because, you know, the best way to deal with our sin is to be accountable to somebody else, is to ask God to show us, to ask God to reveal it to us, and then to begin to take steps to deal with it. And the best step we can take is to tell somebody else so that they can begin to hold us accountable and journey with us. So it's a tough prayer to pray because it's going to mean some kind of action. Final thing that David says when he says, search me, God, and know my heart is this. Lead me in the way everlasting. He's saying, lead me, God, in your ways, not just for now, but those ways that I know have the best future in store for me in the life beyond this one. You know, so often those of us who are Jesus followers, we say we're following Jesus, but really we're asking him to follow us. We don't allow him to truly lead our lives, and our prayer lives reflect that. Because our prayer lives are a list of the things we would like God to do for us, because we would like God to follow us, rather than us follow him. We don't truly allow him to lead all of our lives. We want to keep some bits of it back for ourselves. We don't allow him to lead us in the way everlasting, to truly lead us in the way everlasting, because it's too difficult or it feels too demanding. If you're exploring faith, maybe you wouldn't say that you're a Jesus follower. Maybe this is why you haven't taken the step. Because you hear this stuff about surrendering your life to God, surrendering to following Jesus, and you think, that's just too much for me. Maybe this is the reason why you haven't crossed that line of faith and started following Jesus. Maybe if you are a Jesus follower, you kind of want to follow Jesus, but you find it difficult. The truth is, this is difficult for all of us, whether we're Christians or not Christians, because it requires change. It requires to lay down our needs and our wants and surrender them to what God wants. It requires us to put other people first, to demonstrate love, a selfless, sacrificial kind of love. And sometimes it feels like too high a price to pay. It requires us to admit that we're wrong, to ask for forgiveness, to embrace humility, and to live with grace and patience. We say we want all of this, but the reality is it's just too difficult. So we don't. And this is what happens when we don't. We stop following and we start just believing. We stop following and we settle for just believing. After all, it is way easier to believe than to truly follow.
So what happens when that happens is that our faith begins to revolve around a cerebral experience. If we just read more, study more, talk more, discuss more, then that will mean I'm doing more and going deeper in my faith. But we are trading what we think is deep for the truly deep waters that we swim in when we're truly following Jesus, when we're out of our depth, out of our comfort zones, allowing him to take control. And we swap that for just talking or even just listening like this on a Sunday. To truly pray, search my heart, God, and lead me in the way everlasting is one of the bravest, most courageous prayers you can pray because it's about surrendering control and saying, Jesus, I truly want to follow you, not only believe in you. Craig Rochelle, who uh, wrote a book called Dangerous Prayers that we've used as inspiration from this series, he said this in that book, prayer reminds us that we are not in control and keeps us close to the one who is. Prayer reminds us that we are not in control and keeps us close to the one who is. You know, your prayers matter. My prayers matter. What you pray matters. Because our prayers move God. Our prayers tune us in to who God is and what God requires of us. Think again about that last prayer that you prayed. Right back at the beginning of this talk, we were talking about that. Think about that last prayer that you prayed. How brave was it, really? How brave was it, really? How bold was it? Where did it rank on the bravery scale? We're told in the Bible that we can come boldly to the throne of God. We can come with confidence, boldness, and assurance. And we're told that when we pray, when we pray this way, bold, courageous prayers, we will receive the mercy and grace and equipping of God when we need it most. So I want to challenge all of us in the room, online, live, on demand. I want to challenge all of us this week in the first part of our Dangerous Prayer series to try praying this prayer every day this week. Search me, God. Know my heart. Have access to my fears. Show me my sin and lead me. And that's all the prayer needs to be. No flowery language, no theological words. Search me, God. Know my heart. Have access to my fears. Show me my sin and lead me in the ways everlasting. I want to challenge each and every one of us to create the time and the space to pray that prayer every day, to allow God to respond, to have the time and the space available to God to respond to us, and as he does so, to allow God to prompt us with the actions that we need to take. So here's another question. Are you brave enough to try that? Are you ready to dial up the danger on your prayer life? If you're a Jesus follower, are you ready to stop using prayer as a way of delegating responsibility to God and instead use prayer as a way to tune yourself in to a deeper, braver, closer following of Jesus? And if you're not a Jesus follower, if you're exploring faith, perhaps you would try praying this prayer and see what God does. Maybe that's what you need to make the difference, to help you step over the line of faith to pray this kind of prayer. 
So that's our challenge for this week. And I just want to finish by uh, reading that prayer again from a paraphrased version of the Bible called the Passion Translation. So let's pray this together wherever we are. Let's pray this prayer. God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. See if there is any path of pain I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious everlasting way, the path that brings me back to you. Amen.